guys and welcome back to Scottish and Scared. I'm Stephanie. I'm Shannon. And we are here today to tell you another spooky tale. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> I don't know how you say that because it's not these spooky. are really not that spooky. <laughs> <laughs> Unsettling is the word I would use. How are we today, Shannon? How are we today? I am alright. I'm tired, but... Shannon has another corona of course. in front of me here. I have a monster. Ooh. Going to look today, Stephanie. No, seriously... I, for years and years and years, I've never drank energy juice, ever. I've never drank Red Bull, I've never drank Monster, Rockstar, none of that. I just believe that it's like it's really bad for your heart and stuff. Okay? But one day, my dad came home from work, and he was like, Stephanie, do you want to be, I think it was Monster, do you want to be Monster? And I was like, no, I don't drink that stuff, Dad. <laughs> but then, I don't know why, but I just took this craving for a bit of sugar, and I drank one, and I swear, it was as if it I had just you. took, I'd just done like three shots of like tequila, and I was like, I was buzzing. <laughs> And I was like, and my humour was in peak. Like, and I Top was just, form. I was shaking and everything. So that ever since that day, I've been turned in that I can't really drink Monster. Monster's too sweet, I think. I, I don't I know. I think it tastes like the seed of sherbet straws you used to get. You used to cut the top off and then pull mm. them in I think mm-hmm. it tastes like that. Um, so we have a few things that we would like to address at the start of this episode. Mm-hmm. The first being the creaky chair from the first two episodes. We have since... Banished it. Yeah. <laughs> It's been banished to the outskirts, and we have invested in a much more sturdy, non-creaky... Comfortable chair. Comfortable chair. Sharon's currently doing some aerobics over there, and... You've got to keep the fitness going, Steph. Can't hear it. Come on. Can't hear the, can't hear the chair. Yes. No. We also would like to address the technical issues. There was a booming noise in the last two episodes. It turns out that there was, like, something loose in one of the, the mic arms. It was every time the table moved, it was, like... That pinging one of the springs in the arm we have since also corrected this issue <laughs> so there should be no more bang noises creaky noises apart from my neck my bones but pretty hey. much but that 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 should all be um pretty much sorted now probably not that interesting to you guys but you know something that happened to us this week we planned our first family trip this year to millport to millport for those of you who don't know where millport it's in largs here in scotland you go to largs and you get the, the ferry yeah, the ferry to the island that's at Millport as an island. I think that's insane that this year we have literally only been able to travel Within. from what, August? So this, this whole year is just like in the wind. I know, I was meant to be going to Vegas and yep. that's no longer happening. Shannon was supposed to be flying to Vegas in September. <sighs> I'm gutted, I'm mm. absolutely gutted. Yep. But hey ho, on to better things. <laughs> yep. We used to go to Millport all the time when we were younger uh, with our great aunt and uncle, Annie Betty and Uncle Tom. Mm-hmm. It's just a place that has really good memories for us. It's like a home away from home. Exactly, and it's somewhere that we're probably going to take our kids and have make like make memories with them that we made with mm-hmm. our our parents. It's just the it's just, memory about cycling round. <laughs> right. It's just, it's just one of those places. It's it's an island. It's really small. There's not a lot of houses or people that live there. It's quite remote. It's very remote. It's. The only thing that you can actually do there that's like an activity is cycle actually around the island. Which is torture, yeah. if you're a child. <laughs> <laughs> Which is something that we used to do every time we went. Our Uncle Tom, he actually drives, so he would drive us there and he would drive alongside us <laughs> as we cycled around the island. <laughs> and say, are you okay? Do you want to come in the car? When no, you're meant to be driving around it. But... Yeah, so he would ask us um, maybe every day like 10 40 minutes. yards. <laughs> Are you okay? Do you need to come in the car? Have you got cramp? 
and eventually, uh, yes, you, Shannon, yeah, and up. my younger sister Told would you give I'm up. Told you flight. <laughs> yep, would give up under pressure. I am the member of the family who never gives up, and I made it all the way around. You were older. Come on, you were actually two years. Shannon, older than I'm me. two years older than you. But thinking about it, I was like eight. You're trying to get an eight-year-old to cycle around the full island. I thought it was great. You were ten. <laughs> it was cows. Another thing about Millport that's a really good memory for us is Crocodile Rock. Oh, that is amazing. For it's pe- terrifying. Yep. For people that have been there, you obviously know what we're talking about. Crocodile Rock is just this rock that kind of comes out of the ocean. When the tide's out, it's just it. it's just a rock formation. But the way that it, it, it's painted, yep, it's painted. So like some of the residents, they painted a face of a crocodile on it because it kind of looks like a crocodile. But when the tide's in, it's like it like protrudes from the water, and it looks like a crocodile and coming it's out. Absolutely horrifying. Aye, it's terrifying. It's horrifying. But we used to go and have our pictures taken on it. So we're going to go back with this rock. So we want to go back now that we're a lot older because I think the last time we went, we were. I must have been about ten. So yeah, so like twelve. Mm-hmm. I'm twenty five now, so yeah, and I'm twenty three. <laughs> Jesus, I really want to see if I can still get up there on that rock. Let's just hope the tides out. Not because <laughs> I'm not going out there when the tides in. Here's hoping that we can get out there, have some fun with no COVID related issues, and have some fun cycling around the island. Which I don't think I'm going to be able to do at my age. Let's be honest. Here. Yeah, that doesn't sound too fun. I'm not but that fit anymore. You can try. Just remember the pub can be the other end. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing, I think in our Loch Ness Monster episode, I said that I don't know why Scottish people are associated with ginger hair. Mm-hmm. I have since been informed by my father that the reason is because in Urwilly, Urwilly, aye, <laughs> the character has ginger hair and it's a Scottish like figure. Was it the Beano or something? Aye. I'm going to get absolutely slaughtered for knowing what this is. <laughs> but I have no idea. Sorry, I'm the only one. It's, it's, like co- it's like a comic book yeah. kind of thing. But the character Willie has ginger hair. But I looked at the character and I don't think he has ginger hair. I think he has blonde hair. Strawberry blonde. But Shannon says it's strawberry blonde. So, you know, whatever you guys can weigh in at, I don't think he's ginger. I think that he's blonde. Strawberry. Don't forget that little... Well, robbery in there. No, I don't. I don't believe it. But that's basically all we have to update you guys on. We don't really have much. There's nothing really interesting happened this week. Again, nothing to do. Nope. Still not wanting to go out. Nope. To the pub. Nope. I'm refusing to book in. I just. It's weird. It's like I don't have the the, the urge oomph. to mm-hmm. go. Like before, you'd be like, "Oh, I want to go out to lunch with my friends, or I want to go for coffee with my friends." Now I'm just like, it, I, I, I'm not interested. No. I don't want to go to the pub. I don't want to go out drinking. Well, I don't drink. You don't want to do anything like that. I that don't you want would to. Do. I just don't want to. Like mm-hmm. I just don't have the like my friends to go for dinner and then the one I'm like, mm. I want to go, but I'm like, why? Because it's like it's just like it's not going to be. It's not the, the same. same. <sighs> anyway, so today's episode is on something that Shannon's very excited about i'm buzzing this shit freaks the shit out of me she absolutely loves stuff like this i don't know why it's the weirdest thing to be interested in like it's like it's just sorry, but you've that, got sorry, to this that was my straw i genuinely think what we're about to talk about is and it, it, it's madness it, it's absolute madness so well, just wait and see right so yeah we'll talk about it then like what like our thoughts and stuff but so today's episode is about six-year-old cameron mccauley a little boy who comes from our hometown, Glasgow, at Ooh. least in 
this life anyway. Yep. <laughs> he comes from Glasgow. Um, Cameron lives with his single mother, Norma, and his older brother, Martin. Mm-hmm. Uh, they seem like a normal, happy little family, nothing out of the ordinary. Then as Cameron grew older and began to talk, he started to state that he was from a place called Barra. Madness. Now, Barra is a small remote island in the Outer Hebrides here in Scotland. It's a very small island um, and it only has a population of around 1,174 people, so that's really, really small. You can only get to the island by boat or it's an hour-long flight, which isn't really that bad. No. Uh, The strange thing is that his mother, Norma, has never spoken about this island. Or never Exactly, she's never visited it. She never, she's never spoken. She's never watched a program about it. She's never visited it, so she has no idea how her little boy knows so much, so much, and anything about this island. But naturally, she thought Cameron was just, you know, a making child. things up, telling stories like little kids do, mm-hmm. and she's kind of just went along with it. So I know when I was younger. I didn't make things up, but like... Yeah, that'd be imaginary friends and you had like stories that you would tell over and over and over again. Pretty much. Plus, I think I'm a, I was a pretty disturbed child, as in, I was, as I said, like I've, I love horror, I love anything yeah. weird. So I was proper like, I would freak people out. I just for your own As a child. No, yeah. I, no I would just freak people out. Like my mum would come in and I'd be watching like a horror movie, like, and she'd, why are you watching this? You're like eight. And I'd be like, shh, get it. Like, I would freak <laughs> people out. So kids, that's just something that kids do. Yeah. But it, this one is just... Mm? Mm. As Cameron got older, again, and his speech started to fully develop, he continued to say he was from this island, Barra, and could describe his life there in much greater detail. He told his mother that he lived in a white house with his parents and his three brothers and sisters. His favourite thing to do on the island was take his black and white dog to the beach and play with his brothers and sisters. So these are things that you you could just write off and say, oh, he's making up stories again. You know, they're uh-huh. pretty, it's pretty generic to say, oh, I like to go to the beach. Aye. Any child could like to go to the beach. So that's just something that you could just write off and say, cool, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you like to go to the beach. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a nice story. <laughs> Cameron, he never deviated from these stories. Usually when a kid's telling a story like that, they'll they tell it away. differently yeah. every time they speak to someone. But every time Cameron was asked, he would say the exact same thing. The story never changed. None of the aspects of the story, none of the people in the story. It just got better. Exactly, just got more detailed. He consistently told these tales and they never changed. The more Cameron talked about his life in Barra, the more specific his descriptions became. Mm-hmm. He had what he and his mother call his Barra dad. This was his father from his life on Barra and he even gave him the name Shane Robertson. Yeah. When Norma asked if they could visit his Barra dad, he told her that they could not because he had died. Cameron said he did not look left and right and was knocked down by a car. He also talked about his Barra mum. He would tell his mother that he was with his bad mum before she had him and that the two would really like each other. Yeah, which, which is, is weird. It. When Norma asked Cameron who he loved more, her or her or his <laughs> bad mum, he told her he loved them both the same, which Aww, is kind of cute. That's, that's really cute. cute. <laughs> as well as Cameron being able to describe his life in Barra, he was also able to describe what I would deem as his death. Uh, when his mother would ask how he got her, like here with her. Yeah, that's he bit's would, weird. He would tell her, that he was in Barra and he fell through to her like as, as if he a fell dark hole. Mm-hmm, as if he fell through a hole. So to me that would if if he is talking about past life that to me that sounds like the moment that he died and he kinda moved on yeah. to the next life, which is really bizarre. It was at this point that Cameron began to show real emotional attachment to this memory of his Barra mum. 
one day when he was at nursery, which is kindergarten, yeah, preschool, everywhere else, he told the teachers he did not want his real mum to come pick him up that day. He wanted his barrow mum to pick him up and he was very, very upset Distraught. and visibly distressed. He kept saying that he had to go his barra fa- to go meet his barra family because they were really, really missing him. So that's really sad. Aha, uh-huh, that a child's actually experiencing that inconsistently. To me that to me that's not made up because it can't be. He's so upset as if he's actually thinking in his mind. You're missing me, why am I not with them? So obviously but this must have been really, really difficult for his mum because how do you comfort your child when they're upset about something they that they don't want you, they want another mum. Plus you don't know if they are making that up or if it's real. Uh-huh. So you're Because no one's ever heard of something. Like, with that, do you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, it's just like, how do you comfort a child that's upset about a family that you... Know nothing of. You don't even know if they're real. Norma really wanted to take Cameron to Barra to see if this would make him feel any better, see if... And see if the things that he was saying were accurate. Although she did believe her son knew this island, she she really wanted to understand why. Was there a rational explanation? As to how has he seen it on the telly or mm-hmm. something? So Norma visited Dr Chris French, he's a psychologist, to see if she could get some sort of answers as to why Cameron was experiencing these things. Uh, this doctor was adamant that what Cameron was experiencing was false memories which is basically just made-up memories that are influenced by something that you've seen or heard or someone's told you mm-hmm. or something you read in a book. The doctor's opinion is basically that Cameron has seen this somewhere or someone's told him this. And obviously Norma, she knows her son and Aye, she, she said it's very un- it was very unlikely that he had because he wasn't allowed to watch television without her being present. Yeah. And she he wasn't allowed to talk to other people without his mum being present. Obviously, he's six years old. Mm-hmm. So she was telling this doctor there's no way that this could be not real or this could be that that's what that that is because if cameron had seen this in like a a television program or someone had told him this his mum would know because she would have seen it as well and she says that she has absolutely no knowledge of of barra she's never she she has no knowledge of it so she kind of was like no i don't think that's what it is Mm -hmm. the doctor then said that maybe someone had told cameron all these stories from barra and that he had kind of taken them on as his own which I think is really bizarre to say because How can, yeah. when is a six-year-old going to be alone with someone who's going to tell them all these stories? In so much detail. In, in, exactly, in so much detail. That, I remember. For two years old, exactly. do you know what I mean? Without his mum or someone being present, I think that's really weird. Mm-hmm. Again, Norma told the doctor that there was nobody in the family or their circle of friends who had ever seen or heard of Barra. So the chances of someone sitting them down and being like, listen, this happened and this happened, it's very unlikely. I understand what the doctor's saying. Mm-hmm. If a kid hears something, uh, their little minds are like sponges. Yeah, so they so kind of just take up. in all this information and they kind of regurgitate it. He was able to name names. Like he, he said his dad's dad. name was Shane. And the surname. That's pretty specific. Yeah. So who would be talking to him and telling him, like, you, that's just bizarre to me. Yeah. I think we all have had an instance where we've said something in front of a kid and they've went and told their mum or their dad what you said and you've got in trouble for it. I know I have done that. <laughs> yeah, big time. Adele, sorry. Calvin <laughs> catch, catches everything I and picks up everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I do it with my nephew Jackson. He, I'll ju- it's not even things I've said. He'll just go in and say, Mom, Mom, Stephanie's doing whatever it is. Like, make, make, grassing me in. <laughs> Shocking. It's, it's terrible. Can, they could get you shot, like literally. So it's safe to say that Norma didn't get any answers from the doctor. So she then contacted Karen Majors who is an educational psychologist. She specialises in children and their fantasy lives. 
Mm-hmm. And her experience, the way in which Cameron described his experiences, was not like anything that she had ever seen within her field. She claimed that when a child has an imaginary friend or a world, yeah. usually they know it's pretend and they kind of come out They come out of it really easily. Mm-hmm. But Cameron had always said He's got a physical his battle life was real and never said any different. Mm-hmm. It was the doctor's opinion that other avenues were explored. So that's kind of true. Like when kids do have imaginary friends, usually when you say, oh, does say there are imaginary friends called Bunny. Or does Bunny want to come and whatever, blah, blah, blah. Sometimes kids will come out of it and be like, mm, Bunny's not real. Or, Aye, Bunny's not here. Like, what you talk about? They kind of do come out of it. And obviously, as they get older, they kind of start to... The phase goes away. They kind of start to forget facts. They kind of start to forget things that they've said. But yeah. Cameron consistently, as he's gotten older, he's in, he's six in this story. So for six years... Well, see, he was two. He was saying it all. It's been the same the whole time. Because it was wee bits and it was getting more detailed as it was getting older. Mm-hmm. Over the past 50 to 60 years, there have been around 2,000 reports of children who can recount a past life in great detail, just like Cameron can. Mm-hmm. Which is... Absolutely insane. Uh There has even been a department set up at the University of Virginia in America to investigate these cases of children with past lives, a lot of which have been proved to be accurate based on the information provided by these children. Uh The department is headed by psychiatrist Mr Jim Tucker, who got in contact with Norma after hearing about Cameron's story and was extremely interested in investigating it. He was so interested, in fact, that he decided to fly to Glasgow, meet up with Norma and Cameron and try and investigate Cameron's story. Yep. So this guy has came fave buddy, but Virginia, Virginia and America, and has set up an entire department that's goal is to investigate these claims by children to see if they are to see if they're fiction real or non-fiction, aye. And he's, he's, he he did say that a lot of them are real. They can go back in history. They find these people, can find the families, deaths. That it's things. It's things that they that, that they can physically prove. Yeah. He basically sat down with Cameron and asked him a number of questions, all of which Cameron answered in great detail. The kind of questions he was asking were like, "What kind of house did you live in? How many rooms were in the house? What is your What does your dad's hair look like? Mm-hmm. Like really specific yeah. questions." And on and on and on. Norma then decided it was time to visit Barra and see if she could get some answers and put her mind at ease once and for all. Because, I mean, that must be stressful. Yeah, as a mum, like, trying to comfort your own son and then try to comfort yourself as well, like, try not to lose it. Like, why is he talking about this? Nowadays, if a kid was to do that, you would probably be like, okay, I need to take them to see a psychiatrist because there's there's something something wrong. wrong. There's something wrong. So that must be really stressful. She's trying to, she's trying to believe her son and not make him feel like there is he's doing wrong. something wrong. Yeah. But then at the same time, she has absolutely no idea what's going on, why he's having these experiences, and how he knows where it is. I know it's. it's I just think it's bizarre for a two when I was first like I thought about it, it was two, like how he knew of Barra. Well, two. That's that. Like you're only just starting to kind of like talk like one, mm-hmm. one, one, one a bit. Well, like nowadays you've got iPads and you've got phones so like it's easy for a kid to see something like for youtube they, that they shouldn't see but this was like in the 90s aye the early 2000s so like that kind of stuff wasn't really about it was really fucking msn and all that <laughs> <laughs> msn you should oh msn God, remember that that was so bad so <laughs> dr jim tucker accompanied them on the trip to barra with his list of questions to try and validate the answers that cameron had provided mm-hmm. it was the doctor's opinion that taking a child back to a place where they'd experienced a previous life, it could possibly be traumatic for them mm-hmm. because you don't know what... What happened? They don't... If it's real, you don't know what kind of life they did have there and it can be really, really, really traumatic. Plus, 
think about a child, right, thinking that they belong in this different place in this different time, and then you take them to that place in time. Like, they must go through this internal, am I supposed to be here? Why am I there? Where am I? That must be really scary. Well, I would think that's really... Yeah. They must have, like, an internal, like, They would just kind of completely have a shock. Mm Mm-hmm. It could also provide them with some sense of perspective and allow them to move on in their current lives. So it could kind of, it's kind of like a closure thing and they can move on and it's not going to affect them anymore. So it's kind of one or the other. This bit gets sad. (laughs) Yeah, Shannon does know a lot about this, just so you guys know. This is where things get, for me anyway, really, really strange. Yes. Um, They travelled to the island on a small plane and when they reached their destination, the plane did not land on a runway, but on a small beach. What she said. <laughs> now, Cameron had previously said that when he lived in Barra, the planes wouldn't land on a runway, they would land on a, on the beach. How would he know that? Do you know what I mean? That's, it's bizarre. And he also told his mum that he lived in a house where he could see the planes landing on the beach. So the fact that the plane actually did land on a beach is actually... That's to be, one thing that's, ticked off. That's bizarre. Like, how would he know that? Mm-hmm. Plus, I've never actually been anywhere where the planes... Planes land on a beach? Land on the beach. It's wee small planes, though. What, yeah. Like, remember Pippin? You had to watch that and they had oh the big dog. Oh my god, Pippin. And they used to fly around. Like, that's like, what was that called? Come Outside? Come Outside. Oh, it's a wee song. I'm not going to undo it. Come Outside. <laughs> <laughs> and it had the wee dog Pippin. It's a pure wee Pippin. old dog. Pippin, come on, Pippin. <laughs> Pippin. That was such a good programme. Mm-hmm. Right. Backtracking. <laughs> it was basically a woman that. F- an old woman who flew a plane with her dog. And it was a really old dog, but it was cute. <laughs> <laughs> and it was called Pippin. And it was called Pippin. <laughs> So, for anybody that's, like, really, really interested in this, there is a documentary called The Boy Who Lived Before, which I actually watched for this episode. And when you see them landing on the beach, his face... Everything. You can just see that he's just so happy. And he's overwhelmed as well. It's so so heartwarming. Mm -hmm. You can just tell he's so happy to be there. And then he turns to his mum and he says, See, I told you it was all true. And it's just like, oh my God. It's so sad. So... If you're really wanting to actually see it... For yourself, go, it's only like 49 minutes or something long. Go watch that documentary long. because it, it doesn't just cover Cameron's story, it actually covers Quite a lot. other people's stories as well. The next day, Norma and Jim go to the local heritage centre to try and find any records of the Robertson family living on the island and to see if there were any car accidents involving Cameron's supposed barra dad. They met with Callum McNeil, the island's local historian, and he told them that the name Shane, which is the name that he gave his baradad, was not a name that he was particularly familiar with. But the family name Robertson, although not common on the island, did feature throughout the years. Now, right, okay, it's important to say that, as I said before, the island is tiny, so that's why this historian knows so much much about about who comes in, who goes out. Exactly, So because that sounds like he knows... Everybody, everybody <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> but it's really, really small. It's one of those communities where everybody knows everybody, that kind of thing. All the houses are right next to each other as mm-hmm. well. Like, it's so compact. Mm-hmm. So there was, there, was no, there was no record of anyone by the name of Robertson living in a house by the shore at all. Cameron had said that he lived in a little white house by the shore. Mm-hmm. And Callum says that there's no record of anyone with that, that name living anywhere near the shore. So that's kind of disheartening. For him. But let's remember he is a kid, so he, he could have just got maybe got the wrong. name wrong, or he could have, I don't know, just, he's a kid, so, you know, not everything. He got the planes landing on the beach, right, so I'm with him on this one. I mean, that one is a biggie. Yeah. But that is kind of disheartening. Mm-hmm. So the next step was to try and find the house that Cameron had claimed to live in with his parents and siblings. He said he was able to view the planes land on the beach from his window, which would have put his house in the north end of the island. Mm-hmm. So off they went in search of this little white house. 
They drove around the north end of the island in a small bus trying to find the house, but Cameron did not recognise any. any of the surroundings or any of the houses, unfortunately. At this point, they're all kind of starting to get a little anxious. And they're getting a little nervous. Cameron's starting to get a little bit anxious and disheartened because... He can't find that? No, nope, it's, it's, it's actually really sad. And they've been waiting for this moment for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And it's really not going that and well. And it's came, they're like... Oh, and no. they've... Are we going to bake his heart? Like, it's going to bake... They've landed on the island in the way that Cameron said they would. they would. So they must be like There's something. They must be like really hyped and like, Oh, this is this is mm-hmm. exactly this is real. They're kinda just starting to get a wee bit disheartened now because they can't find the house. anything that he's 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 claiming. As I said, they weren't able to validate any of Cameron's claims with the, the what we just said, the exception of the plane landing on the beach. So they kinda returned to the hotel that night and you know, everyone was in low spirits, yeah. disheartened. The next morning they received a call from Cal McNeil, the local historian, and he asked them to come in and see him as soon as possible, as he needed to speak with him urgently. That morning, Callum had received a phone call notifying him that there was, in fact, a family living on the north end of the island with the name Robertson and a white house by the shore. Yes! So, you're probably thinking that this is a wee bit weird timing, sounds a little bit like a setup. Yeah. sounds a little bit like that's obviously been planned, but no. Callum, the historian, his records were only for properties owned by islanders themselves. So the not Robert- Benton. The Robertsons were not originally from Banna. They were actually from the mainland and they had lived in that house in the 60s and 70s. They weren't on the records as... Aye, as homeowners. As homeowners. They did own the house, but because they came from different right, mainland, okay. they weren't islanders, yeah. as they call them. So with this new information and directions to the house, Norma, Cameron and Jim set off to see if they could find it. But they never told Cameron where they were travelling to. They kind of wanted to see if he was able to identify the area Itself. and the house on his own. Which is exactly what I would do. Yep. When they reach the house, they get out of the bus and they slowly walk towards it, watching for any sort of reaction from Cameron. When they reach the front gate of the house, Cameron becomes visibly distressed and he just starts Crying. to cry. It's horrible. Like, you need to watch it, guys. Yeah, go watch it. He, he he just starts to cry and it's like that's so sad mm-hmm. but you don't know if he's crying because he's sad or if or he's happy or if he's crying because he's happy that he's he's seen he's, he's seen this house he tells his mum that this is the house and they kind of do like a little walk around they go inside they look at all the rooms, the rooms. Oh. and everything that Cameron had told his mum and described about secret gates rooms open fires they were all in the house it was all there and the wind yep there, there was also a window that looked out onto the beach where um, landing planes could be seen. Everything that he told them about this house was correct. It mm-hmm. was it was, it was real. It was there. So this kind of concluded their trip to Barra. And Cameron was happy to go back to Glasgow, satisfied that he had got to see his Barra home and once more. And he proved to his mum that it was real. Back home. They were still very interested in trying to find out as much as possible. About, about his family. Yep, about the Robertson family to further validate Cameron's claims. Norma met with a genealogist, Ruth Borum, who had researched the Robertson family history for her. She found that the Robertsons originally came from Glasgow, so where we are. Yep. And had owned a little white house on Barra for almost 20 years. She also managed to locate someone from the family currently living in Scotland called Jilly Robertson, along with her contact details should Norma want to reach out. Now, if I'm Jilly Robertson and I get a phone call from someone saying... My wee boy... (laughs) 
Hank's sure Yuri's more. Hi, it's Norma here. <laughs> Norma. I have, I have a six-year-old here who thinks that Yuri's sister from a past life. Ah, uh-huh, it's madness. Is there any possibility that we could meet up and you could meet Cameron? Um, no, bye. Beep. That's exactly how it would go. Yeah. That's like, really bizarre. That would freak someone out so much. <laughs> like, so much. I love that, I'd just like... love to see how that phone call went because that's really... What? That's a mad one. Jilly is obviously not like us. She must be very... So super happy. Yep, very, very open-minded. Turns out Norma did reach out to her and arranged to meet with Jilly in the hope she could tell her some stories about her early life on Barra. Before Norma met with Jilly, she thought it right to tell Cameron the news, which really didn't pan out as expected when she told Cameron he had a really negative reaction to this news. Norma said it was like someone had flicked a switch. One minute Cameron was very happy and having fun with his brother and the next he was crying saying he was too frightened and didn't want to meet with Jilly. So that's really weird. Yeah. But why he's scared? But then that must be terrifying. No. If that kid knows that that's his sister from a previous life. Could you imagine and you're like, I should be like the same age as you, but I'm a child. It's Oh, it's crazy. So the next morning Cameron wakes up and he goes into his mum room and he starts asking if Jilly could be his sister. And he then said that he he did want to meet her. He really wanted to go meet her. So it's very chop and change. One minute he's... He's happy, want to do it. The next minute he doesn't want to do it. He's too scared. But he's six. So, I, I mean, you can't really expect... A six-year-old to be like, I want to go do Too it. much. Mm-hmm. The meeting went ahead and Norma took Cameron to meet Jilly Robertson, who potentially could have been Cameron's sister from a previous life. Jilly brought out a photo album showing the house they lived in, well on Barra, and the beach right beside it. Yep. So if you go watch her documentary, you'll see that there's photographs. She pulls out this photo album and she goes through the photographs, and the house that's in the photographs is the house that they had just yep, been, been to. to on Barra. It's exactly the same house. It's, it, it, it's To me, yeah. it looks like the exact same house anyway. Um, Norma asked if they had a dog, as Cameron repeatedly said he would play on the beach with a black and white dog. Yep. Jilly told them that there was a couple living in the house who had a sheepdog or a collie. Yeah, which is a spitting. Which is a black and white dog. Yeah. Which is really, again, another thing that's weird. But then everybody has dogs. And then especially in those like outer islands, there is a lot of sheep. Yes, you would have. And there's a lot of farms. Collies are kind of that kind of dog. Mm -hmm. So although a lot of the things that Cameron is saying can be validated, there are still a lot of things that can't. Jilly said there was nobody in the family who had been called Shane or anyone who had died in a car accident. So the story about Cameron's Baradad can't be validated, unfortunately. Yeah, so we don't know. I mean, you could say that maybe it wasn't his dad, it was just like a male figure in his life that had maybe had an accident that could have happened on the mainland, but it's hard to say what's real and what's not because it's a six-year-old you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Jim Tucker, the, uh, the psychologist, actually closed the case as inconclusive due to the conflicting information. Some things, you're like, blow your mind, you're like, wow, that's and then other things you're like mm. Mm, can it so after all this Cameron has become much more at peace and calm in himself I think visiting Barra gave him the reassurance that these things actually happened to they him exist. and that he didn't have to constantly try and seek validation from people about how he felt or the things that he was yeah, experiencing same. regardless of whether this is a past life or it's just an imaginary story made up by a kid the things that he did get right to me are just so specific that it's hard for me to think that they're made up. I don't think it's made up. I think it's genuine. So much. Mm-hmm. So that's Cameron's story. It's pretty. It's pretty mad to me. Mm-hmm. As I said, like there's um, there's so many different stories out there. Are kids doing this that you never heard of? That, you, that I've never. I've personally never heard because past lives isn't something that I'm. Yeah. Super into this is. 
it. It blows your mind. Like, physically blows your mind. Because you're like, how can a child of that age, from when they just start talking, to, you know, and they're like, oh, I've got another mum. Oh, hold on a minute. Like, what's going on here? You would physically yeah. be like... Well, Cameron used to tell his mum that he wasn't... She was his stepmom. And the barra mum was his real mum. Yeah, so to hear that as a mum must be... Traumatising. A bit heartbreaking. But at the same time, you don't want to, like... You can't give him you a to make, You can't, don't want to make your child upset either. Mm. So... You just got to kind of go along with it. It's really weird, but it's... It's interesting. Like, there's so much... But also, you know how they say that children see ghosts... Yep. ...more, and they have more paranormal experiences... Because when you're small, you know, you don't have that rational part of your brain that yeah. like tries to apply logic to everything. So you, when you're a kid, you just see everything for what it is. Yeah. So when you see a ghost, you just see it as a ghost because you don't have that logic part yeah. of your brain. Like mm-hmm. when I see a ghost, I'm like, oh my God, there's a fucking ghost in there. i like, what the fuck is that? But Outer. <laughs> <laughs> but a kid just sees a person. They don't see a ghost. Yeah. They just go, oh, there's like there was a man in and there. And they like they talk about it because my dad always tells me stories about like my we stayed in a flat in my mum's bedroom. We used to have like a cupboard you'd walk into, and I used to say that it was a man. He would come out with like, a top hat on. And he'd sit on my. Oh no, Shannon, don't. No, I swear to God, right? So he used to sit at the bottom of my bed, and I'd feel like the bed move up, and that would wake me up, and I'd just see a shadow, like walking out, and then I would walk to the front, like walk out my room, walk out the hall, and then you turn left to my mum's room, and the cupboard's facing you. And the light would go on, and I would wake up. Right. Um, the reason that I'm telling you, not that that's mad that you just said that, is because last week I watched a program called The Hat Man, and it was about people that have experienced paranormal experiences in relation to the Hat Man, who's a shadow person. Aye, that was that. It was just a shadow seen with a hat on. Uh huh. Right. And I watched that last week. Now I don't get scared by a lot of things, as you know, Shannon. I'm not one. You're not that. I, I, honestly, it's me. it takes a lot to scare me. But this this documentary freaked the fuck out of me. <laughs> not, no, no, Shannon. I'm so that. serious. Like I was so scared. I was actually one of the points where it's like, see, when you walk through the hallway at night. Oh, you need to turn the lights on. No, I didn't, I didn't have to turn the lights on, but I was I was proper uneasy. Ah, you feel this time he's looking at you. Also, in my room, I've got a fedora sitting on my on a shelf because I bought a fedora and I had it sitting mm-hmm. and I woke up in the middle of the night and I seen it <laughs> just shit yourself <laughs> I'm so serious like nothing freaks me out I could watch any horror film there's so, it's just there's so, it was the way it was portrayed in the documentary like the imagery that you used this big sh- long... it was long like that's what I asked you when I was a child I must be I, I like need to see my dad like next time I'm with him but I, honestly I would sit like on my bed and it was like to see you'd bought me your bed you could see the indent for where someone was sitting Shannon, and it would just rise you, and then you just see a shadow I swear I you've just blew my mind because I literally just watched this and I was like so freaked out by it I was like this is so freaky no, that's how I love all this shit so you've a- you've probably actually seen the hat man that's terrifying well, I don't like to watch documentary but I do now no you don't want to watch it it'll, it'll haunt you if it haunts me it haunts you that would be haunted with him Oh no, it's terrifying. <laughs> it's absolutely terrifying. I'm still here, so he's probably in me like, ooh. Okay, me. that's a bit weird, but okay. He's probably in you. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a bit rude. I know, when I was younger, my nan always tells me these stories about how when I was young, I used to sit in the living room and I would talk to myself. But she says... You did do that a lot. I remember you doing that even when you were older. See, when you were like, <laughs> no, I swear to God. It's all coming out now, guys. I swear, when you were like in bed, you used to sit, like you'd be sitting doing something and you'd be like... Mm-hmm. Seriously? Uh-huh. I'd be like, a, a chant. Oh my God, a chant. I don't know what you're chanting. 
so my dad makes us joke all the time that he's scared to come into my bedroom because he thinks that one day he's going to walk into my bedroom and I'm going to be levitating above, above your bed, levitating <laughs> above the bed. <laughs> no, no, honestly, if you if you were to see Stephanie, you'd be like, "Why think that?" But honest to God, it's fucking hilarious. What do you mean if you were to see Stephanie? Because I've not seen us yet. I know, but what do you mean? You think that people look at me and they automatically think Satanist? Well, Jordan did. <laughs> Seriously? No, I'm joking. I was going to say that. It's so sad. <laughs> Jordan is Shan's boyfriend. But when I was younger, my nana used to say that I would sit and have conversations with myself, but it wasn't like a kid sitting talking as if Normally. they were talking to an imaginary friend. It was as if a kid was actually sitting having a conversation with another human being. You would pause and then talk it, again? Exactly. I would pause and then I would talk again. But she says she says it like it's normal. Like She just goes, yeah, oh yeah, you used to do that all the time and you would be sitting. And I'm like, that's not normal. And then one day she said that... <laughs> She was, like, stripping the wallpaper from the wall in the living room one night, her and my granddad, and I was, like, really, I was small, so I must have been, like, three or four. I was, I had fallen asleep on the sofa, and when I woke up, I just woke up in this panic, and I was literally screaming that there was something black, like, in front of the wall. See the wall where they're taking all the wallpaper off? What, the fireplace? No, it was just, like, a, it was just a wall. They, they were just stripping wallpaper and they had left one of these walls bare to put wallpaper oh, on. No. And I woke up in the middle and the, <laughs> I was hysterical. And I was saying, he's there, he's there, he's in front of the wall, he's black. And my nana, said, my nana was like, what, what, what is it? And I, I was adamant that this there thing, was something there, there was this big black thing in, 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 front the of the, in front of the wall. Well, she said I was staring at the wall. So I don't know. But that's weird. My nana said that she was scared because I was so scared. I was terrified, like I was shaking, and she had to take me out of the room and take me in another room for me to go back to sleep. Oh I was God. so scared. She said, you, you freaked your grand out that night as well. He came in and he was like, is she okay? Because I was having like a full meltdown. <laughs> but that's the only time that like, anything like that's ever happened that? to me. When I, was, no, I don't remember it, but my nana was telling me about it. Aye. But that's the only time when I was younger that I've had like a full-scale meltdown. Oh, I, there's something... I've never had like, meltdowns. Like, anything that I've had, I've been like, oh, I want to know what it is. Like, I I've, don't. No, I do. What if it's a creepy old man? Like, we've got a... Yeah. Right, okay, I'm going to sound like an absolute psychopath. We have a ghost in this house, right? My dad's seen it. I've seen it. My brother's seen it. Are you fucking shitting me? No, I'm being serious. My dad says that... You're joking. No, we are, we're kind of the subject here, but we do this quite a lot. But you know, the podcast is about spooky stuff, so who cares? We... My dad, me and my brother were in the living room the other night, mm-hmm. and he walked through the hall and seen didn't see me and John in the living room but seen someone sitting in my room right so he came into the living room and he seen me and John sitting on the couch and went what and then walked back out and went into my room and then came back in the living room and said Def I've just seen a, a guy sitting on the edge of your bed get the fuck because when he came into the living room he was expecting me to be sitting there by myself because Aye. obviously he must have thought John was, John in, my was room, in the room but he wasn't and my dad was like I've just seen a guy sitting in your room but he sees men he sees a guy walking in my room all the time and you're your room, except in my room. <laughs> get out. Get Aaron in there. Aaron, you're moving. Pass that. He, um, he, he does an all. Like he, he double takes like for sitting in the living room. He always like double takes, but all but a lot of us do that. He double takes and looks out the living room. And one night when we were sitting, he looked for a long time. And then he got up and he went into the, living, into the hall to see if there was some, somebody there. And I said, what are you doing? And he, was, he says, eh, I just seen a guy walk out of your room there. Like, it's always my room. That's so strange. It's not. I think what we should do is Google the address of this house. Right, well, some I'm not going to tell you my address, okay? But I will, tell, I will tell you the number that I live at. Yep. It's 666. 
Yes, people. And six, I'm, six, And I'm not six. joking. I live at 666. That's the number in my house. It's ridiculous. But I find it quite comforting here. I don't find it weird or bizarre. Of course you do. Of absolute course you do. I'm not helping the case. I'm not a Satanist at all. <laughs> oh, she is. I don't find anything. But this is the thing, right? See, in this house, I don't feel uneasy scared. or scared or as if there's something here that wants to, like, hurt me. Aye. See, like, ghosts and shit like that. Like, I'm not scared of them. Unless it was to come at me. See, sleep paralysis, if anyone's ever experienced that, you'll know my pain. But you feel as if there is someone physically on top of your chest pushing you and you cannot move. Your throat, it feels like someone's ruined your throat. <laughs> oh, don't, I'm getting all agitated, I can't. But I have things like this happen to me all the time. I've had so many weird things happen to me that I, we could probably make a whole episode about our ghost stories, but... I had I've had really strange things happen to me when you know family members of in the in the family have passed or before they've passed. I've had really weird stuff happen to me that you just you just can't explain. rationally explain. Yeah. But back to what we were actually talking about. So those guys, <laughs> <laughs> kids that see ghosts or I don't know like it's deja vu though. You, I could see me, I like if you walk by somewhere, you're like, oh, I've been here before. You know how they say deja vu is your past life? Uh-huh. Or they say that if you have deja vu, then it's a sign that you're on the right track. To something? That you're, you're on your track or something. I don't know. Or it's freaky, because I was looking at that as well. But I don't know but what I've not got a birthmark. Well. I've got three. Know that I can see on me, but when I went for an eye test, they said I had a birthmark on my eye, but I've never seen it, and I can obviously fucking see it. So I don't know if they're talking shit. You've got shit. a birthmark on your eye? Like, see behind my eye. Like, see, we're obviously getting eye tests. And I've never take, heard of that in my life. And they can take, cat, like, pictures, like, from behind your eye and things. Mm-hmm. Like, see, you're waiting on that. Mm-hmm. They said, like, on my eye, there's, like, a black marking. And it's, like, a birthmark on my eye. I have never heard of that in my life. I'm not saying you're lying. I'm just saying I've never heard of no, that. No, I don't think it's true. I think they're <laughs> fucking lying. Because I've still not seen it. But I don't have a birthmark, so I don't know if this is, like, my first life. Any opticians out there, let us know. Can yep. you have a birthmark on the back of your eye? Let us know. I don't think I that's true, know. but... And if so, how can I get in about finding it? I've got three. I've got one in my foot. I've got one in my inner thigh. And I've got one on my chest. So maybe I was shot in a previous life. Three times. You know how they pew, say... Pew, like... pew, pew. <laughs> pew, pew, pew. Hold up. Wait a minute. Oh, no. <laughs> it's a chopper. <laughs> Calvin, that's for you. <laughs> oh, no. But maybe, that, maybe you know, they say, like, where your birthmarks are are signs of where you passed before. Maybe yeah. I was shot three times. I got shot in the face. Right in the right eye. Right in the eye. I died in something then. We're sorted. Maybe you were in some sort of saw contraption. Or I got shot with a bone arrow right through the eye. I could have been in like medieval times or something. Right, okay, that's yeah, that's perfect perfectly plausible. That is perfectly plausible. <laughs> Past life's and all. But in conclusion to this episode, I do believe that Cameron is experiencing something. Don't know what it is. But it's something in Barra. When they do these studies on kids, it's actually shown that, you know, when these kids that claim to have past lives and they can, like, they can detail them and stuff, mm-hmm. when they start to hit, like, age six and seven, this is when they start, they kind of move out I, of it and they, they go, go off track. Or they go into their, their current lives and they yeah. don't, they totally forget about it, which I think is super weird. Because they're starting to, like, when you get to, like, six and seven, you're kind of at school, so you're occupied more. Whereas when you're younger, you're just kind of playing and things. So you're at nursery, like preschool. Mm-hmm. You're just kind of like playing. But playing maybe when you're small, maybe when everybody's small, we have these past life memories, but we don't know that's what they are. And we just think. Like maybe, well, you know, like me, I have this longing to be outside 24-7. I, mean, I climb trees. Oh, we love climbing trees, guys. I climb trees. Like, <laughs> we can't get back, didn't them? No, you can't get back, didn't <laughs> 
Shannon can't get back down them. No, let Jordan, it be known. And then Jordan try to help Steffi down, oh. and she's done. Don't fucking touch me. <laughs> when I'm trying to get, when I'm trying to concentrate and climb, I don't want somebody. No, to be honest. To tell me to, I don't know. Try I and help don't you. help me. Leave no, me. he did elbow me in the eye prior to try to help you. So. He, he helped Shannon out of a tree and punched her in the face. Not on purpose. That sounds so wrong. <laughs> It does not hit me. <laughs> but like, Jordan. I love climbing trees. I love being in the nature. I love... I just love being out. I love rolling in the grass. I'm vegan. I don't drink. I don't take drugs. Like, I'm a very, I don't know, boring person is what some people would call it. <laughs> boring, you're just different. All of these things, like, they make me happy. So maybe in a previous life... You did do I this. was a cow or something. Like, maybe I lived in a field and I was like... Just, you know, grazing. Because I love cows. Absolutely love cows. Maybe I was a farmer. Maybe. Maybe you're an alky farmer. And that's how you don't drink anymore. Imagine that. <laughs> totally. Totally. <laughs> Can totally see myself doing that. I'm jokes. But I, I don't know. Like, I think if the things from your past lives kind of seep into your current life and influence how you make decisions. And how you react to things. How you make decisions in your current life. Or are you a completely different person with a different personality, different traits, different outlook on life, different values. Mm. Obviously, we're never going to know the answers to these things. These are just, I know these are just hypothetical questions. Like right. it, it's really interesting. It's like, w- would I be the same person that I'm right now, just in a different time? Aye, that's what I was wondering. Like, see, when you do die, mm-hmm. what happens? That is my question. I, well, I think, well, I hope there's something up there for like everyone who's passed and family things. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't want to think like that's it. There's nothing. Mm-hmm. But I do. I hope there is something. Also, it's just that belief in it, really. It's like, do you ever get that when you're, well, I get it a lot, when you're sitting and you just randomly, something just pops into your head and you go, I need to do that. Instantly. Like me. Yeah, I. I need to do that all the time. Like you always say to me, whenever you want to do something, you just go do it. And I'm like, because it just pops in my brain, I'm like, I need to go do that. I need this. Like that could be like a memory or something that for a previous life and you're just, it just pops in your brain. Because look at the painting. I know. I just one day decided I want to start painting and I just started painting. And I can paint, like it's not like I'm It's doing, not if you can paint, I'm you're doing, good at I'm painting. I'm not doing like five-year-old paintings, I can actually paint. Mm-hmm. So it's like, is that maybe something that I did in a previous life and popped in? And Maybe you're an artist. Maybe. Imagine you're Van Gogh. Van Gogh. Ah. It's Van Gogh. <laughs> no, I call him Gogh. Van Gogh. Imagine that though. Or like... I don't know. I don't know, guys. What do you think? Chick Stephanie was an artist before. Plus, I love tattoos. Like, I get, I've got, I'm covered in tattoos. Your body is art, literally. So, exactly. So it's like, is, it, is something from my previous life influenced that? Like, it's weird. Because one day I just decided, I want to be covered in tattoos. And she is covered. <laughs> for, <laughs> for those who have not met Stephanie, yes, she is covered. No, I'm not. You are, literally. I can still see some flesh. I can see a little bit. No, there's quite a lot. Let's be you honest. You can be the judge when you see her. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the big reveal. Like, Never. who is Stephanie? Who is she? <laughs> Never. I'm just going to keep live here in my cupboard. It's quite cozy in here, though. Like, it's not. As if... Our podcast studio is a tiny little cupboard in my house that's about. It's probably been haunted. It's probably the man who sits in Stephanie's room, love. It's about seven feet long and it's about two feet wide. But we're fitting in it. And we're sitting in it with two desks, laptops, mic. And a few beers. Che- well, you're drinking. Cheers. Beer. The ceiling. We live in a tenement building, so the ceiling is really, really high. But it's a perfect little studio. It's very quaint. It's very fitting for the... It's very ambient. Yeah. So that's it, guys. That's our episode on past lives. Do Fire is about anything that yep. you have had. Interesting stuff. And I would really, really, really like to read some other children's stories about this. See if we can see something kind of similar to this, where they can actually... Link. Fully prove that it was real. Mm-hmm. And get all the facts right rather than just ticking off some bit. So if any of you guys have any stories of past lives or you have 
one you would like to share yourself share with us and we will go look into it for you please send it over to us at scottishandscared.gmail.com we'd be really appreciate that we love reading stories so anything go follow us on on instagram at scottishandscaredpod and we will fingers crossed see you all next time stay weird guys stay scared bye guys keep the heat (laughs) (laughs) Ha 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 ha!